the IBM Z applications and runtime podcasts. Your place to get the news, trends and direction for mainframe runtimes and environments. Well, hello and welcome to another episode from our Application Platforms Talks podcast series. Now, this is where we ask experts involved in the runtimes to talk about topics in their areas of expertise that you will find interesting. Now, my co-conspirator in this is Toby from Germany. So, Toby, hi, and thanks for joining us today. Hello, everyone. Happy to be back. And today, we're going to look at how Zoe, with its modern interfaces, is making the mainframe open, uh, simple, and familiar. And to guide us through this, we're joined by Joe Winchester, the architect behind Zoe. So, Joe, hi, and thank you for joining us today. No worries. Happy to be here. Guten Tag, Toby. <laughs> a, a little bit of housekeeping first. This recording will be made available at ibm.biz forward slash zpodcasts. And there you'll find many more podcasts all related to IBM Z with application development and application modernization and DevOps. So to kick off, Joe, before we go all wowy about Zoe, it would be great to learn a little about you. So could you give us just an insight into where you've come from, how you got involved in the mainframe? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Nick. Um, so I, I'm a bit of a fish out of water. I don't have a computer science degree. Um, I didn't train to be a computer scientist like most of my colleagues are. Um, I actually have a master's degree in genetics and I did microbiology and genetics. It's the science of hereditability. And during that degree, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and um, I was also dabbling around with computers at the time. At home, I had various computers that are quite popular in the UK, um, sort of Sinclair ZX81, Sinclair Spectrum, sort of BBC computers at schools, very early days of computing. And for my master's degree, I got to use one of the very early Apples, one of the very first GUI Apples, I think an Apple IIe. And it was, I was absolutely blown away by the ability to just, do things in 3D. I was doing 3D modeling at the time. Uh, it was so productive, you know, drag and drop. And I remember looking at it at the time and thinking, this is cool. This is going to be really interesting. This is going to change the world. I want to get involved with that. And that really got me into IT. I showed up to the places and they said, well, what computer, <laughs> what computer science degree have you, got? <laughs> what have you got? And I said, I haven't. I've got genetics, but I love it. Let me show you all the software I wrote at home. So I ended up writing software tooling. I love writing software, especially if it's got a GUI, a graphical user interface to it. And I ended up working for lots of software companies that used IBM technology. Um, and I was a consultant with, in fact, my own company that I co-founded uh, with a colleague of mine when I worked in the US. And we ended up spending a lot of our time yelling at IBM saying, why, why are you doing everything wrong? You know, why aren't you building tools platforms? Uh, you know, why are you doing everything too slowly? Um, you know, what, you know, why are you focused on lots of technology that IBM that was doing that was wrong? And eventually, um, I started to have a family and I needed a secure employer with a healthcare plan and stuff. So I joined IBM, sort of poacher turned gamekeeper. And I've been there for 24 years. How I got into the mainframe, I didn't get into the mainframe straight away. I was a small talk developer at the time working for banks. Uh, small talk in the 1980s was used a lot by banks, um, IT systems. IBM was using it to build tools. So I worked for um, built a GUI builder, IDE called Visual Aid for Smalltalk. And then 
eventually I was taken aside at IBM and they said, oh, can you work on the secret project that was written in Smalltalk, but it was in fact for Java developers. So it was Visual Age for Java. So I worked on that for two years and we were very, very happy that became a very, very successful IDE in the, in the 90s. And then I was taken aside again and they said, okay, can you start working on this other super secret thing um, that's, that's a IDE platform that's extensible written in Java? And I started work on that and that became Eclipse and IBM open sourced it. And I, I was very, had some very happy years working in that uh, for the extensibility of Eclipse. Then I moved back to England. My family, we decided to move back to England so our kids could grow up in England. Um, my wife's American. And IBM relocated me here and I ended up sitting in the mainframe division, sitting in the Kix division. I knew nothing about the mainframe, nothing about Kix. And I was still working for IBM US at the time, uh, still working on Eclipse tooling. But I got a bit bored. There's something, if you're working on your own, um, when everybody, uh, you know, on one particular thing and everybody around you is working on something else and they were going and having coffees and, you know, high-fiving each other about Kix releases. I remember going to Kix all hands and thinking, this is interesting. Anyway, eventually I moved across and there was a colleague of mine who was in the same position who worked on Kix. It's called Matthew Webster. And the two of I were told, were, who was also a, an Eclipse developer, and we were stuck in an office and our director at the time said, you know, Kix is looking a little bit long in the tooth. Is there something you can do to help with its tooling? And we started creating what then became the Kix Explorer that grew up massively to become the ZOS Explorer. We had 21 extension products. And then I was asked to do um, sort of do the same again with, uh, even though Eclipse was open source, Kix Explorer wasn't open source, we ended up building a whole new open source stack and collaborating with Linux Foundation and Broadcom and Rocket and stuff to create what's called Zoe. And that's what I work on now. So that's a long answer, but I hope that's all right, Nick. No, it's very interesting. You've had a very, very uh, varied career, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so so, so now you, you already gave us a bit of a sneak peek, but I think for me, the interesting bit is now you worked in that area for quite some time. You said um, half of your, your IBM time, you actually worked on it. And um, what, what do you think that already changed in the years? And what do you think where you could actually make an impact and where you see people are really changing behavior now? Because I think you said uh, rightfully that when you started, uh, Z was kind of a very secret thing and not really easy to access. So what did change? Yeah, good question, Toby. Yeah, so, so for my 24-year career in IBM, about 12 years is in non-mainframe tools and 12 years is in mainframe tools, probably. So with the mainframe tools, when we first started, I think the biggest change is that when we first started, different tasks on the mainframe were built by different people. So so my tooling background is I'm, I want to build something uh, within Eclipse, for example, you can be the developer, you could run your tests, you know, JUnit tests straight away. Uh, you could do deployment, you could have access to the source code management system, you could, you know, start servers, start Liberty or WebSphere or Tomcat servers or whatever you wanted to. You, you know, you, you were really master of your world, right? Everything was at your fingertips. And within the mainframe, that wasn't the case. Mainframe customers had, had different individuals doing different tasks like DBAs and sysprogs and developers and deployment specialists and very disconnected, very disjointed. Um, specialist tasks and i think that the transition is that we what i've seen and what i'd strive to do the metric that i sort of judge success by is can you from your fingertips within your single tool whatever that tool is 
right now I work on Zoe, so I'm very focused on Zoe, but but I'm not a complete bigot about Zoe. Whatever that tool is, can you do everything from, you know, collaborating with team members, you, you know, um, uh, developing, building, deploying, testing, um, you, you know, obviously, you know, and can you build that environment? You've got all of those arrowheads basically available to you to do. The other thing I remember, when when I joined Kix, I I think I was perhaps in my forties, and I felt very young. I was walking around the A block, <laughs> and I was thinking, and and there was a whole generation of people that were older than me. And I'm not being ageist here, but but I would come up to people and say, look what I can do with Eclipse, and they would just say, oh well, I I I know how to do it with ISPF, and I spent forty years doing it. You know, why should I change? And people like to do the things that they're familiar with that they grew up with. And I was like, well, I understand that. I understand you're familiar with COBOL and you're familiar with PL1 and Assembler and Rex and JCL and things, but isn't there a better way to do that using, how are we gonna get people who are younger than me? How are we gonna get the 25 and the 30 year olds to do this? They're not gonna want to learn these because they've grown up with more modern tools. So for the skills shortage, I was kind of right in the middle. I've got two children, they're both 24 and 20, but when the first one, was able to talk, and the second one was still speaking baby talk, and and my 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 youngest son Jared would be like, ah, I would always, I would ask my older son Ben, you know, who is perhaps now three years old, uh, you know, um, I would say, what are they saying? Because I would assume that if you're just at that boundary, you can understand <laughs> what the the younger people were doing. Now I'm obviously one of the oldest people in Hursley, but it's very important, um, Toby, that that you can build something that's appeals to the new generation coming up who have grown up with tools that they learn in university, whether it's VS Code, whether it's GitHub, whatever it is, whether it's Bamboo or Travis, I don't really mind, or Team City or something, but they can apply it to the older technology and those two worlds can handshake. I think that's really important. And I've seen that, I've seen that shift occur. And I think as you, as you rightfully say, I mean, the essence of IBM Z is probably not that we interact with it in ISPF. The essence is of what the workload that we developed, the, the the processes we use to have it high available and stuff, but not really if it is a black screen uh, a black screen with, with green color on it or if it is a, a more appealing these days screen that we have. And uh, I think when we when we had the discussion before you and, and you also you also mentioned that that you were that young even though you were already 40. So so there is this this skill shortage that we, we we hear a lot about. And I think, as you said, rightfully said, one of the reasons is not that people don't like mainframes. One of the reasons is that they find it very hard to accessible. And and so I think that is, of course, a thing that you changed a lot with the tools that you that you brought into. And maybe even though after a while, the people then think, oh yeah, I want to do this, black, uh, this uh, green screen thing as well, but they have a lower, inst- uh, a lower starting barrier, I think. I always think whenever, sometimes I meet people who are in their 20s and occasionally I'll see them and they'll say, you know, this green screen stuff isn't that hard, you know, or I'll watch them struggling with to do something with a modern tool and they'll drop down to ISPF and they'll start doing like PF11 or PF12 and they'll start dancing yeah. all over. And I always think I've lost you. I've lost you to the dark side. <laughs> you, you've grown up now. You're no longer speaking baby talk. Um, but, but, but I think... Yeah, I understand. There's a phrase that we use in Zoe called all of the old with all of the new. You have to be able to transition the two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody, every mainframer has a 3270 emulator on their desktop. Um, 
But the most important thing, I suppose, uh, coming back to my initial thing about lots of people, I do I have seen the change on the mainframe where you can you can do more from a single tool. So you can with with tools like Urban Code Deploy and things like that, and you know some of the debuggers now built in and some of the testing tools built in, like um, you know uh, you, you can do more from your fingertips within the same IDE within the same tool. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Joe, I remember being of your vintage. I remember the days <laughs> of keyboard players who were masters of the piano instrument. Um, having multiple sets of keyboards because they these keyboards were actually synthesizers and you had to create the sound that you wanted for each uh, synthesizer. And technology moved forward and you were able to save these sounds. So now you play your keyboard with your uh, dexterity, but you can change the tone of that keyboard immediately with just the tap of a, a switch. Is that similar to what you've seen in the evolution of these interfaces? Exactly. A very good point. Yeah. So it is for the, the music analogy, a very good one. So, so I love classical music and I'm very fortunate. Both my, both my boys love classical music as well. So there'll be a lot of classical music in our house. There was a back in the time, back in, I don't know, perhaps the, I don't know, 1900s or maybe in the 20th century, when you wanted to play classical music, when you would have to get an orchestra with people who are very specialized, like somebody who was a cello player, somebody who was a, you know, bassoon player, right. And, and, and it takes like, you know, 10, 10 or 20 years to become a, a real expert in, a, in an instrument to make that sound. We're able to do that now because we have, we have about four keyboards in our house. Um, as long as you can read and write music, we can just hit a button and say, make it like a violin. We can even say, make it like a Stradivarius something, right? And these are all sampled sound. It's not, um, and we're able to basically lay down tracks and play classical music and goof about and add riffs to it and do clever things. So, so you're right. So, it's that same analogy, which is that the one person, the 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 one musician, can basically uh, be the be the conductor, be be their own orchestra all at once. Yes, um, and and if you look to the synthesizers, you didn't you couldn't do that. You would have these 1980s stars like Rick Wakeman and stuff, and they would have like five synthesizers. You know, one that was tuned for a particular sound, and one that was another, and they were constantly going back and forth, and you know, lay down a chord in one and um, yeah, I mean, if you, even if you look at a modern drummer, a modern drummer just has can have electronic drums, right, where they hit a drum and then they can just literally click a button and it can flip from being a snare drum to a bass drum. And they're just, you know, without having to have these huge, massive drum sets where they kind of wheel around and play different drum sets for different different tracks. Yeah. So I think the music analogy is good. Um, but there's a, you know, how can how can one person do more? So it lowers the 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 skills need for specialist skills. It means people are more agile and more productive. So which helps with agile DevOps. Yeah, I think it's a very good analogy. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. So, 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 so when we now look at what you actually already did change, and I think coming from the outside, I can, I can actually say that, that, that so many changes happen in this, in the tooling. And it was, it was always a pleasure to see how people also that used to work with the other tools for ages. And uh, I think we all know in this round, for example, my colleague Wilfried van Hecke, uh, who was actually then an enthusiast in the end, and he thought like, "Oh, that's great! You can do all these things, and I can integrate my 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 debug tool with it." And so, 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 I really like that. Whereas also people like like Isabel, who who always said it's a left click away, and people like me that were more like, "Yeah," and if I can't find it, I go back to the green screen. They could all talk about the same thing, which which I really liked. So, so, what are your thoughts now for the future? What do you think will happen next? 
in this space? Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, I remember Wilfred against Isabel. It was a very, there was a kind of love-hate relationship there because I, I remember some of my favorite sessions that they would give at conferences and customers loved them as well. They would they would pitch up against, it was almost like war. They would have sessions called, you know, who's going to win, you know, ISPF versus, you know, versus the mouse, right? And they would sit there and they would hurl insults at each other and, and things like that. I remember one particular one that Wilfred said against Isabel when it looked like she'd won over the audience. And he said, well, actually, you're 29. You're not that young anymore. I remember her blushing like a <laughs> lobster. And I remember I thought she was going to slap Wilfred. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I should have. Um, but she didn't. But anyway, but, but there was still that kind of animosity. The two groups were, were still squaring off against each other. It was still a conflict. So, so I don't think it is now anymore. Um, I think it's much more cooperation. And, one, and, and there's much more understanding. And one of the things that's very important for me that's done that is education and open source. And I'll cover those a little bit more. So for education, one of the things that's super, but the two go hand in hand. Um, so if I think about Microsoft, where Microsoft are very successful, uh, competing with other platforms and other tools, is they really got their stuff into the students and the universities and even younger, you know, even my son at primary school was learning um, you know, spreadsheets and, and, and Microsoft Word and things like that. So the tools that your generation grows up on are the tools that they'll eventually bring and insist that their enterprise uses or else they'll go into their enterprise and be productive and they'll drag their enterprise away from their vendor because they'll say, well, actually, this stuff's free and, and easy to use. So right now with the Zoe technology that I work on, the thing that we're very focused on as well as building technology is we get it into, so Master the Mainframe is a student learning contest and that uses Zoe, they're very, very proud of. It took a lot of work. It was the first transition in 16 years of the contest. We had 12,000 people learn uh, the mainframe, 12,000 students using Zoe. Now, when we look at, cust and, we, and we're in um, uh, COBOL training courses, when we look at the user IDs of the people that do those courses, not all of them are students. Some of them are customer early learning, right? We can see the domains that they register from. So we know, and I talk to some customers who say, we, we, when we train our youngsters coming up in COBOL, our new hires, we put them on, on training courses. So Interskill have a badge for Zoe, and we worked with them. It's the number one mainframe badge they've ever given out. So, we, so for me, to be successful, you have to work with, with educators and, and people who do training courses. So I see that as a way to, to, to get things done. Um, and the other one is open source. So th that's a, really the future for me is an, an, an open source is read write. So if I think about a lot of the mainframe technology that I worked on, including the Kix Explorer, for example, I remember once a customer fixed a de asked for a defect and, and it took us a long time to fix it. And I've, I've t I used to talk to customers who could say, well, to, to change an IBM product, I have to create a request for enhancement RFE, get my friends to upvote it, wait for it to get into a product. Perhaps it's going to be available within 18 months. We're looking at a multi-year window. Right now with open source, we have customers. Initially, we would have customers who would raise defects. And then they would say, well, we found the defect in the code because the code is open source. And, and then we would say, well, that's great. Do you want to suggest a fix for it? Because so, so sometimes they would suggest a fix for it. And then they would start raise pull requests. So now we have customers becoming committers on products. And we spend a lot of our time in the Zoe community making sure we have really good test coverage, really good regression tests, really, really good DevOps engineering principles 
you know, build machines that are highly available, you know, running in different geographies and stuff. We spend less time on the code because our committer, our army of committers is really coming from customers and from vendors and from students. Uh, we encourage mm -hmm. students to join mentorship programs. They can do in their gap years. I was talking to one just yesterday, um, very intelligent student. And I know that that student in a year will do amazing things. And even though they're still a gap year student, we have very experienced, you know, 60, 70 year old mainframers who are also available to be their mentees. And because they can collaborate in open source, it's kind of like we build the roads, we, we build the trains, but we don't we don't sit in the seats for the journeys. We, we just let other people kind of ride for free. And when they collaborate in a nice environment, something good will happen. So that's a real shift. And that's a real kind of open source engineering coming to the mainframe. So that really excites me. Yeah, interesting. I think I think I think especially the open source thought and IBM has done that yeah in, in many areas, not just the IDEs, but also like when we look at our JVM, which is open source. Mm -hmm. I think really that is a, a change that we see and uh, and one that is very interesting for us. So yeah, I think I think you're right in there. And and as you said, uh, also a lot of things that we've built up. So um, I remember Ian saying we we are standing on the on the shoulders of giants and that's kind of here for me too because all the things you you told that happened in the past 10 years they are all now just seen as a given so all this extensibility that you that you you invented with eclipse kind of or this this at least dynamic uh, extensibility of, of of a tool that is now just a given and now it is it's built on the next stage and on the next stage so it's interesting for me to see even though i'm not the most uh GUI person in the world, and I tend to do 30 to 70 as well. So I'm on the dark side as well, but I'm not yeah, completely we lost. You. lost. We lost you to the dark side, Toby. There, um, there are still there are still a few a few areas of me that like it, so it's fine. <laughs> well, we 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 can still convince you. You can still be taught by a 55 year old. You know how 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 to be modern. Yeah, I can bring <laughs> yes. you in screaming and kicking into the 21st century. But I mean, Ian's right about the JVM. So so the mainframe, I do see customers using um, Java. Java is obviously open source. Um, you know, a lot of great, you know, uh, you know, Node, you know, a lot of other great languages, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, Python, a lot of great lang modern languages that give you modern DevOps, you know, Python, obviously, you can upstream that into Ansible, a lot of great modern tooling. The thing that excites me about tooling is that I still very focus on the read-write. I'd be very surprised if any IBM customer has actually contributed to IBM Java, right, to the Java that's on the platform, right? It's good, it's open source, but it's still slightly, with tooling, you can be more you can actually have customers that come along and say, I want to improve that tooling and I want to build extensions for it. And I actually love that. So I think things have to be re read right. I'm a huge favor in democracy. I'm not going to get into politics, but 2016 was a bad year for me. I spent too much time, you know, yelling at news stories, uh, you know, um, <laughs> because I, 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 I um, but I do see, I do see good, uh, goodness where if people can engage and be part of a system and feel that that system values them and, and their input goes into the system and they can see the results of that, the world just becomes better. And I think the same is true with tooling. So so you're right. I think with the open source, what we're trying to do with Zoe is really make it read right. And I spend a lot of time with a lot of younger people. I'm very much almost the old man of Zoe now. The old man, sorry, that that will be your epitaph, will it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, thanks ever so much for that. You've, I'm going to reiterate, you really have had quite the career. Um, you mentioned Master the Mainframe. I did a quick research there, and you can find out more about uh, Master the Mainframe at ibm.com forward slash 
it-infrastructure forward slash z forward slash education forward slash z explore and i think we will add the we will add the link to the page so if you go to 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 our our podcast home we will make sure that you will find it there and that has queued me up beautifully thank you toby because i was about to say about more ibm z podcasts can be found at ibm.biz forward slash z podcast you'll find topics like devops uh, application development there and you will find more on the application platform talks. So just like to say thank you, Joe, for joining us today. It was really good. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And for, and for those of you who are younger than Nick, myself and Toby, you can just ask your Alexa assistant for the, to open Master the Mainframe website for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thanks again for the collaboration, Toby. Always a pleasure. And... I'll wrap it up there. Look out for more podcasts in this series in the future. But thank you for joining today. Bye-bye.